Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. What's going on? I'm here, about to catch a flight. Where are you going? Uh, wonderful world of Texas. Okay, I'm from Texas. I know this. Yes. Wait, you're from Texas. No, Georgia. Oh, yeah. I Atlanta. I have the memory of a chipmunk. Oh, okay. Like, I, I didn't know a chipmunk had bad memories. Well, it's small, you know? Yeah. It's a small little brain. Okay. Um. Okay, yeah, you're from Georgia. Yep. How is it like? Go dogs. Go, Go dogs. dogs. You're a big fan? I think in the last two years, you have to be a big fan. Why? Well, we won the national championship Obviously. the last two years. <laughs> Hadn't won one in 40 years, but the last two years... It's a big deal. Uh, a lot of people came out of the woodwork. Were you one of them? I kind of didn't go crazy into football, um, primarily because I didn't want to waste a lot of time worried about recruiting and sports and ruin my weekends based on the success or lack of success of Georgia football. So people do that. People really do that, especially and, my friends. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't even do it in the first year of the championship, but like last year I kind of went like my wife Callie was like you're kind of losing it on yeah. Georgia football. So <clears throat> it happened twice. I'm happy. I got what I wanted and that's it. So now it. you're out even if they keep doing it. I mean, great. I'm I'm in, you're but I'm out. I'm not like going to let my happiness ebb and flow based on Doubt Georgia it. football. You're in. I don't have a subscription to rivals.com or anything like if that. If they start doing great again, you're going to be right back to this position. Maybe, maybe. You can't yeah. lose your bad habits die hard. Yeah, I mean, once I you bite, it's I know it's I've got over. a taste of the fever, and honestly, <laughs> I'm like the least into that world. But I got pulled in, man. It you happens. know, it's a it's a dangerous thing. So you didn't want to waste your time on sports, football, but just sports because, in general. Because what were you wanting to spend your time on? You have you have a plethora of talents. Um, Starting jack of with all music, trades, master of none. 
No, you're you're a master of some. I don't know. You are. You're a master of it's cooking. An interesting We're gonna world. talk about this. Butcher on the block. No, butcher on the block. You got it. Butcher on the block, which is such a cool <clears throat> um, spin on cookbooks because I really like this because you take us you deep dive into actual butchers' stories. You want to know why someone is the way they, why this butcher is the way they are, how they got their recipes, what makes them special, their secret sauce, like what is their juju or whatever that word is. Their philosophy. Yeah. Sounds good to say. Yes. Yes. Their philosophy. And it's like an art and you aren't just a butcher. Like it's like an act of love to be a butcher. For me, it's like the grand theme is this is a book about community. Um, it's my fifth book, which is crazy. You don't mention that first book on any of your books. You we mention, do. We do no, mention you say, this. He's, no, we're going to have no, to mention it today. Let me just this tell is... you this. Matt Moore is an entrepreneur, cook, host, pilot, and the quintessential Southern gentleman, is the award-winning author of five books, including four of them, The Cereal Griller, The South's Best Butts, and A Southern Gentleman's Kitchen. What about have her over for dinner? Oh, man. I knew we were going to get there. We're going to go right <laughs> now, right out of the gates. You forgot number one. Gosh, what a crazy time. <laughs> Nobody even knows what we're talking about at this well, point. Well, tell everyone what we're talking about, Matt, because I'm a little offended personally. Uh, well, listen, that I'm not in charge. That was the book that got you started. I'm not in charge of marketing and social, so you can tell the well, publisher. Well, if they that, only looked at the cover of that there book, we go. it would be obviously a no-brainer to put on the back It's a crazy book. start. That's how I... Well, I mean, I knew you before. Well, I met you when you were actually doing country music. Uh, yes. I think you like opened for Luke Bryan. I did, at, yeah. Uh, where were we? I don't even know what it was. Yeah. Were you friends with him? Or you yeah, just still am. Yeah. Um, uh, Georgia boys stick Georgia together. Georgia boys huh? stick together. I, I was in a jam band in college. Mm. Okay. So okay. seven or eight men, men. driving around. Men. Y'all thinking are, we yes. were the Grateful Dead. <laughs> uh, and everybody in the band was way more talented than I was. And we would play. But you sang. I sang. You sang like Dirk's Bentley. Um, thank you. Have you heard that? No, not really. You haven't? No. Oh. No. Um, okay. <laughs> because what we would do, my favorite quote, I remember one time we were playing a show, this was in college. And so it was a high school band. We all stayed together. Uh, one guy went to, uh, Manhattan school of music. One guy went to Belmont. Um, so we kind of toured throughout college okay. and sort of near the end, um, a good friend of mine was putting us on these shows for emerging country artists because back then Luke wasn't who he is now. Yeah. And, he got started in college. Yeah. Bars, right? Yeah. Of course. At Georgia Southern. Yeah. Um, Dirks, uh, Jason Aldean, all those people were kind of upcoming, and we were this silly jam band that would open mainly because Henry Glasscock, who was a promoter, knew we were really cheap to open the shows. (laughs) And uh, I'll never forget one time we were playing in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, the best compliment we ever got, we had a guy named Booger that was our roadie. Okay. Uh, we grew That's up with Booger. That's a great roadie name. Yeah, he's great. You can never get rid of him. Booger. Yep. Oh, my So God. Booger's in the crowd. <laughs> We're playing a show for cross-Canadian ragweed. Oh, I used to love them. Oh, they're, that was the best. Cody Canada, his the, voice is the best. That was, I love that group. Yeah. Um, and so we're opening the show. And we were a jam band. So we'd sing a few words and then jam for a little bit and sing a few words. And so some country music fan that's in the audience okay. looks over at Booger and he doesn't know that he's associated with our band. And he gave us the greatest compliment I ever got in music. He said, it looks like the lead singer forgot the words again. <laughs> so we weren't playing these three and a half minute songs. It was like, we'd say a couple things, words that we thought were prophetic. We thought we were Robert Hunter from the Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. And then we jam for a little bit and then we yeah. go back to it. So when I moved to Nashville, the songs that I were writing and the music that I really, really love to pursue just really wasn't right you know happening here per is there se. a market for jam bands 
Yeah, it's huge. Okay. Um, I just didn't want to be in a van Is for like fish? 20 years. Fish, widespread panic. Okay. We were from Athens, Georgia. Okay. Um, we recorded with John Keane, who did widespread. He did drive-by so truckers. So what is the payoff of a jam band? Because I've never been into it. Like, what do people do? What, do you need to be stoned or on mushrooms to appreciate it? Like, I how wasn't. Do you, how do you, like, get into it? Because I don't know if I can just Yeah, I think it's the musicianship. Okay. Um, there's something really cool about the jam band world. I love that we're going down this topic, but... <laughs> You're, you never know what you're going to get. And that's a cool part of that scene, right? So people really love to follow like shows and set lists and like what did they get that right. night versus, you know, more commercial artists is going to have to play a lot of their hits. Yeah. Um, and so people just lose their minds ever like, oh, I was in Chicago in 1983 and they played, you know, whatever it might be. And then you can go chase that rabbit hole as much as you want. And I'm sure probably maybe a, a few... Um, pills or some something along those lines might make that better but that was never really my world we just like the music and i think more than anything when you grow up with people you go to high school you go to college and when i moved to nashville i had to find like kind of a new subset um and i just wasn't having the same fun that we had back in the day you know and if you're not enjoying it it's really not worth it because no you as an entrepreneur and musician all that know like when you go for these things it takes every bit of you Following your passions and turning them into business. Oh, let's talk about that. That's a real bear. So we're going to go back to the first cookbook. Come on back. Yeah, tell me about um, it. Who's, uh, yeah, let's, so it wasn't going really that. great in the music world. <laughs> so you're like, what else am I good at? What am I really great at? Okay, cooking. Not really, though. I mean, I, what, I, you I, I grew up in a family yet? that we would always cook, right? And okay. so I played sports growing up. Um, and I would come home from football practice and I'd have to do my own laundry but I would go into the kitchen with my mom and and I learned how to cook. I thought that your mom's a great cook. Great cook. Grandmother, mom. And you got butchers in your family too. Yeah, my grandfather was a butcher as well, which so is kind of the reason we went down this path. All the time? We're we're like having lunch on a Tuesday thinking about dinner on Friday. Um I mean That's it's all we kind of vibe. Oh, we're we're always y'all talking just, about food. No way. Yeah. So y'all's passion conversation is food. I think a lot of families' passions are, but we're probably obsessive. So when y'all get together, like you're like, oh my God, I got to tell you about this recipe. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Totally. Come over here and try this. Yeah. Y'all like geek out. Totally. Okay. That's how we, you know, I'm when people are family. like, I, I skipped a meal. I'm like, how did you do that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I am not that family. I'm That's like my Michael. me time. Okay. You know, Michael, I don't cook, Matt. Like, not at all. all. Well, my wife no. doesn't either. Well, I mean, Michael's the not cook to throw her under the bus. She can cook. I love your wife, and she's phenomenal at so many things. She if can she wanted cook. to cook, she would be the best. Yeah, cook she in can, the world. and she does have a few uh, Midwestern recipes up in her repertoire. But why would she cook when she's married to you? Uh, she cooks for the kids, and yeah. so she just finds it stressful. And I'm a, t- despite the fact that I write cookbooks in person, she'll tell you I'm kind of a terrible teacher. <laughs> You're just kind of like watch and learn. I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, I'm just, I don't know. I, I should probably it's dial process, that back a little bit. Yeah. And you're not going to be messed up in your this process. This is my therapy session right now. If you can observe it and get what you need, great. But you're not going to be verbalizing the instructions. No, not often. Probably, you probably go by feel too. I do. I think that's a big challenge for me writing books is, um, you know, you you would ask like a grandmother or a, your mom like a secret and they would always kind of never tell you everything. Mm-hmm. And then with time... I've kind of learned, I'm like, oh, there's totally like a pinch of cinnamon or allspice in this. Right. Um, especially when I was writing the barbecue book, I was going out and having to travel the South 
and track down pitmasters and ask for their rubs or their sauces, which like that is under lock and key. You asked for ingredient. that? Yeah, of course I asked. You know, did they I mean, give it to you? Sometimes they would. Sometimes you people would say their secret. No, they were they they knowingly <gasps> wanted to do it, and a lot of times they were like, if you want to go through this much effort, <laughs> be my guest. You know, so sometimes that would be the case, or I would kind of reverse engineer that process. The first book. Oh yeah, let's get back to that. And then I got to talk to you. Don't forget. Don't forget to tell me how you came up with this idea and how you found your butchers. Because I will. This is probably an, a book that has not really ever been written. I'm sure people aren't seeking after book butchers to hear their stories to put them in cookbooks all the time. It's part of a series. Yeah, because um, your other one was like this. Yeah, they're kind of story driven, right? Yeah. Um, it all started with the first book, which was called Have Her Over for Dinner. Thank you, which is and not And you were on the mentioned. front cover of Have Thank Her Over you. for Dinner. I was really honored that you asked him to be on the cover. Well, that was a different time in Nashville, right? Everybody was kind of like, I don't know, it was an interesting time that everyone's kind of banding together and like it was a different idea. Um, for me, there was always this world where, especially in Athens where we went to school, if we played shows in Louisiana or Alabama, we would typically stop somewhere like and pick up 100 pounds of crawfish and then throw a big crawfish oh. boil. Um, and so that was kind of our tradition. And I remember when I moved to Nashville, I kind of lost that. And so I told a friend of mine, um, Jeff Crones, who's at CAA here Love in Nashville. One of, one of my dear friends as well, yep. and my husband, Michael. Jeff didn't know he was going to make an appearance. Um, but Love Jeff. I told him one day, I was like, man, I think I should write a cookbook. And he was like, I love that idea. <laughs> And I was like, oh, cool. Like, this is this has legs, you know? Yeah, and, and Jeff's so, a big agent, everyone for listening at CAA. Yeah. Now he, like, runs the whole he thing. He kind of wasn't at the time. Yeah, he though. was just, I mean, we were all getting fairness, started. Yeah, everybody was getting started. Everybody was so fresh. It was this earnest idea. And I kind of set down a path. I was like, well, I've got this guy who's going to go sell a book. And, like, I already have Sideways in my mind playing, like, that the movie. movie. Oh, yeah. Like, we're going to go on a big golf trip to California. I don't even play golf. But, like, we're going to sell this book. It's going to become a phenomenon. And there we go down the road. Okay. Um, so I put together a proposal. For and Jeff? For Jeff. Okay. Yeah, because he's going to sell it internally at CA. This is hilarious. I still have it. <laughs> and so Jeff goes to Los Angeles to pitch it to, you know, whoever. And they're like, all right, your friend's not famous. At that time, he they were like he doesn't have a blog that has you know a million readers. He's not a chef. <laughs> <laughs> he sure is confident though. And then they were like the best part. They were like, and by the way, like publishing decisions are actually made in our New York office, not L.A. <laughs> so what needless to say, but what was this? Have thing? a river for dinner. But, it was yeah, so why? I put together kind of like a um, a proposal, if you will, which is what you do in publishing, okay. right? So a lot of people ask me all the time, how do I get involved in publishing? First step is to write it, to start with an idea and, and put it together and spend your time. Um, we had no idea what we were doing. Right. And so I thought, oh, he's he's got a, a connection. But we went to Los Angeles instead of New York. After that, I had already talked about it so much. And this happens a lot as like an entrepreneur. Like oh. I tell people all the time, like um, express what the vision is and sometimes put it out there in the universe, not only to see what it feels like, but also to kind of hold yourself accountable. Okay, right? Because I've heard the opposite, too like you know like plan in silence and then let everyone see once it's done but uh, i get what you're saying because i feel like i've kind of always been a talker too letting i don't mean like gloat about it but like if you say hey look yeah, i'm writing a book I'm doing this and then a year later people are like where is it you're like all right well i got to figure it out so i went down a path of trying to figure out how do you get a book published mm-hmm. without being a chef mm-hmm. without having a celebrity profile and really not knowing anything i was doing there was really some really some nice things about that so i go about pitching 
Um, in the publishing world, you can't really go direct to a publisher. You have to have an agent who's going to represent the work. I had no idea. So I started with all the publishers and never heard back from a single one of them. And then I started with all the agents and got a rejection letter from basically every single one of them. And so I eventually said, all right, I've kind of put this out in the universe. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put together the, the, the production and, and shoot this book, which we got together one time at, uh, in 12 South and shot what was going to be the cover of it. I didn't have any money to finish the photography, so I learned how to do it. I learned how to do InDesign, <laughs> and I ended up self-publishing the book. Okay. Um, and at that time, it was really a unique model because you could put a book up on Amazon – um, and make it look like you had 10,000 units in stock, but when somebody would order, they would print it on demand, and they would ship it. So you didn't have to carry a lot of costs for inventory. Mm. It was an unbelievable model for me. Um, and then kind of coming off the, the music world, when we were the jam band in Athens, we would, you know, we would play Athens, we would move to Atlanta, we would build kind of concentric circles of, of following. So I was like, all right, I'll start in Nashville, and then I'll go to like Memphis and Knoxville and Louisville and... But what I didn't realize in the book world is most decisions about magazines, they they decide that like eight months before it okay. comes out. And so it was a year and a half, put out the book, rah, 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 I did it, whatever. Did it do well? No. I mean, it was like what? friends and family. It was those types of things. But you know, it launched you and it got it, it going and it, was an, it actually was the action of your dream. It was. So the first 12 months, it did not do well. Okay. I mean, it did well enough that um, I think there's a stat that <clears throat> like 90% of all books published, including major published books, never sell more than 5,000 copies. Mm. Same thing wow. in the record business, right? And so what transpired is you sell a lot of family and friends, you sell your network, and then it's like, cool, we did it. Um, but I kept pitching. And I think in life you have these breaks that come along. And my break truly came. Um, I kept working, kept going. And I was kind of about to like put it aside. I had sort of an idea. It was it was successful enough that I was like, I might do another one and see if we can continue to ride. And I was in um, Philadelphia. Um, the iPhone had just come out, Man. and one of my business partners now in our fragrance business, a whole other different world, another whole business. He shoots do. me a text and he's like, "Congratulations on the New York Times." Now, I had just shot like "Good Morning Philly," you know, like I had flown up there. I'm like bringing cast iron skillets, like. I'm, I'm broke. I'm like, am I going to be able to eat at the airport or not? <clears throat> and I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't have time for this. Uh-huh. And he was able to send me a picture, like a screenshot to a link. And um, I had pitched Julia Moskin, who is one of the, the writers at the New York Times. I'd sent her a book. Just I was pitching everybody. I was pitching Jim Bell from NBC. I didn't care. I mean, I didn't, see, this I, I didn't have show. any, I didn't have any bridges to burn per se. You right? just, every person you could get a contact If I found their for, email, I was going to pitch them. <laughs> yeah, the worst they were going to say is no. You know, I'd already heard it, it a thousand times. Yeah. And she named it one of the year's best cookbooks, which Stop. was kind of one of the first times for a, a self-published book. And then Stop. that was the break. Okay, let's have a moment. Yeah, it was great. Persistence though. You know, yes. this whole thing is you getting a dream because let's go back to the beginning. You're not a cook. You're not a celebrity. And what was the third thing? I don't know. Not a lot of things. <laughs> okay, but you're like, I'm going to make a cookbook. You do it. You don't get a publisher. So you're like, I'm going to do it by myself. You self-publish. Yep. Pay for all of it when you're dead broke. And then hustle your ass off to send it to anyone you can. And eventually, you get a bite. The bite was big, too. I mean, there was yeah. there was a, a, a small series of bites. You know, like, you have bad days and good days. But ultimately, it led to that. And then you capitalize on the opportunity. Because once that happened... All the people I had pitched that had been crickets or said no, I was able to then leverage that and say, hey, by the way, like, I appreciate it, but 
it was also mentioned in the New York Times as one of the year's best cookbooks. And that how led me. How good did that feel? Pretty good. <laughs> Doesn't that feel so good to have a stat? That's how I found my agent. I mean, it's not about the accolades, but those moments in time just like let you take a deep breath and be like, okay, I'm not crazy. No. You know, I'm not a lunatic. The hard work was worth it just to get that moment. That's what I feel like accolades do for me. It's not like because you want necessarily world recognition. It's just to say like, okay, it was all worth it. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, like you don't necessarily need um, people to tell you that something is good, right, to continue to do it. But it did enable me to to go down a path. And honestly, the path got harder, actually. Like Why? most of the time people think that was my big break and then ta-da, like we're down the road. It it you know, it was a success. I got to do a bunch of fun things. The book became more successful. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, my agent in the publishing world that, you know, has now been with me for the net last ten years, um, she wrote a blog about Is the she, book. Who's the beautiful pregnant woman in the first page? This person. That's uh, Andrea. So she shoots all the photography. Okay. So yeah. Andrea and I have been shooting together. I love uh, that picture. Books for the last, the last three turns. But my agent is the one that goes and represents my ideas to the publisher. Okay. And so she wrote a little blog at the time. This is like 2008 or something. And it's like, oh, this guy in Nashville like writes this. Like, what's happening to the publishing world? And the New York Times recognizes a self-published book. So, so I forwarded her. I forwarded her the rejection letter from a year earlier when I had pitched her the idea and she was like, okay, I got it. And I was like, Hey, listen, you know, like, like what is fair? And so we've gone on and we always laugh every time we have beers in New York, we're always laughing about how we first met. And that just goes to show you can't get, I mean, obviously we all get defeated, but you can't let defeat or rejection slow you down. You know, you really can't because one person's no, look, that person said no. And now she's your agent. Yeah. I mean, I think no's are almost kind of like, I used to set a goal I should probably go back to it to a certain extent. Like <laughs> I wanted to hear no a hundred times a day. Cause that's how many times you're putting yourself out there. Of course. And if you, if you do that, probably you're only going to get like one or 2% yes. And you may get like one or two yeses a day. This is like in the old mantra of like in sales or whatever your career might be. Um, because if you're not hearing no enough, then it means you're not working hard enough. And eventually, like, I think good things happen to good people, Agreed. especially if you have a good idea. And, and then maybe sometimes you don't. I mean, there's been failures along the way, too. But um, ultimately, I think being persistent and, and, and knowing when to capitalize on, on certain opportunities bring you to that space where um, you get rewarded for a lot of the hard work you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> 
Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Okay, so you said it got harder though. So now you're in the world. You have a critically acclaimed book. And what's happening now? And now you're kind of done with music. Are you now yeah, fully? Yeah, yeah. Now that was the greatest excuse ever. People are like, "Oh, are you still playing music?" Yeah, once once a year in Canada. Um, <laughs> so now you know, you're fully. You are a chef now. I'm not you a chef. A I'm cook, still just a cook. Writer. Yeah, I mean, I've done the book. But you've like totally reinvented your whole identity, kind of in, in a weird way, in a split second, a couple years. In really. a couple years, though, yeah, I mean, you couple years got a whole new identity. Yeah, that's kind of cool. It was cool. Um, you move fast with it. I had an idea after that for the next book, which was called, uh, well, it was called, the first book was Have a River for Dinner. I can't believe this. I'm married now with kids. The, the next book was called Anne for Breakfast. <laughs> and I'm so glad that the cosmos said oh, no to that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah and my yeah. agent was like, breakfast books don't sell very well. Um, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the next book idea was called um, A Southern Gentleman's Kitchen. Okay. And so like, I've always had these themes behind the works that I'm doing. And I, I, I love this idea that I thought you could become a better man through food. Um, oh, okay. So like, it gave you the opportunity to foster chivalry, uh, generosity, hospitality, intellectual curiosity um and so i was trying to attempt to use a cookbook to kind of uh further what i was doing in my mission to kind of create better men if you will okay so you call yourself a true southern gentleman what does that mean to you? i think just the qualities i, I read off but, okay so um, it's in cooking i'm not always opening the door for my wife um I, I fail on it every single day but in theory i think it's that kind of old world quality of like First and foremost, like the best export we have in the South is our hospitality and generosity. Mm-hmm. I, I think kind of being worldly and being aware of different ideas and, and thoughts, like the kitchen is a great place to expose yourself to a lot of different cultures and cuisines and different ideas. So that book I thought was like, man, this is going to be amazing. So I now have this high powered agent and we're going to go out and we're going to sell this book. Complete crickets. Mm. Crickets. And so we actually didn't do anything for two years together following the success of have her over for dinner. And I'm like, hey, I did all this on my own. I cracked the code. We did all, like, what's the deal? Why can't we sell this book? And so I, I was on a long run one day and my one of my best friends, college fraternity brothers, I noticed at the time he was, uh, we still give him a hard time. He started modeling like polo shirts. Okay. Now they weren't polo the brand, but they would have like a, a yellow jacket on it. And, you know, he was flying around the South and making money on the weekends. He was like a male model. So, of course, we gave him a hard time. But I started to see that. I was like, this is interesting. Like, the, the Internet is creating this place where you can rather quickly put together a brand and potentially make money and, and sell a product. And so I kind of went to him one day and another friend. I was like, this is maybe a, an interesting idea. We're all broke. We're all young. Uh, one was an attorney. The other guy, nobody liked what they were doing. Maybe we should 
go in business together. I don't know what it is yet, but I, I think we're on to something. So you're a true entrepreneur. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking constantly, right? And on a long run, I was like, we could never afford to have like yellow, black, red, small, medium, large. Like we don't even have $5,000 put together, whatever it might be. Um, and my major at, at Georgia was international business and French. And I was like, you know, maybe there's something we could figure out to like, maybe we could go on like a cool trip abroad somewhere. I mean, that's really where my mind God, you're just saying, what would be the coolest thing to do and how do we make it a business? Yeah. And so <laughs> I settled on this idea. I remember when I was at uh, Georgia, uh, they were like, you're not allowed to wear fragrance anymore. And I was like, all right, I guess I don't know why. You know, but I remember my father and my grandfather would always wear like the green polo and the old spice. And so I pitched him one day. I was like, what if we created a fragrance? But it wasn't like, Johnny Depp or Justin Bieber. Okay. It was just cool. We didn't put a face on it. I was like, sorry, Charlie, your face is not going to be on it. Um, and the idea of moonshine cologne came to me one day okay. on a run. I was like, that's kind of interesting. Um, we would put it in, you know, a glass. We, we would change kind of the landscape. So I'm, I've, I've disrupted somewhat of the publishing world from like a self um, published book. And I had no idea what we we're getting ourselves into in the fragrance world. But eventually we created what's called Moonshine, a gentleman's cologne. God, you like go, you do a lot of work for things. Um, it, well, I had good partners too. I mean, we, we kind of got in it. We were bound together. It was a chance for us to kind of reconnect in the evenings. We sourced the, the fragrance from France. you have to show up. Carry and, your weight. And carry your weight. 100%. I mean, that's a gamble. I guess you do them. You've known them. So you knew. They're yeah. Like, but to like go into business, you all have to show up, carry your weight. I mean, it's not easy to be in business with people. It was a low risk investment. We, I think each threw about $2,500 in. Um, I was responsible for sourcing the, the fragrance itself. So I'm calling in my franglais over to France, you know, and speaking and trying to track down. I think eventually they sent me back to somebody in America. He's like, what are you trying to do? Um, and I found out very quickly, they're like, that's never going to work. Like it's, it, it costs like $10,000 an hour to create a, a fragrance, like a, a yeah. true fragrance. So we, we sort of kind of made it sound bigger than what it was going to be. We okay. were like, oh, well, you don't know, you don't know who we are. I mean, we've got a whole launch plan. We're going to sell 10,000 units a, a year, blah, blah, blah. So I convinced them to create a custom fragrance. We did a test run on it, and then we flew glass bottles and these wooden boxes that we found to Greensboro, North Carolina, where Charlie's parents still lived, and we were down in his childhood basement on a ping pong table, Stop. filling up cologne with syringes, and we put it out there. And I had just enough knowledge at that point to kind of promote something as I had done with a book. And you thought, though, but like you thought this is so great. Like Out of all the fragrances out there, this one is going to be the one. I mean, I mean it smelled like, good. You are confident. You have confidence in your ideas, Matt. It smelled good. Okay. I thought we had a cool name. And the way that we earnestly put it together, like it, it wasn't like we sat down with a branding agency. It was really authentic yeah. at the end of the day. Yes. Um, and right place, right time. And because of some of the press connections, it kind of did go viral, you know, before viral was a big thing. Right, right. And all of a sudden we had a thousand units that were literally out the door. And so then we started to have to kind of manage, okay, how are we going to buy? How are we going to package? And we we eventually built a business um, in, in the last 10 to 12 years where we sell our fragrances all over the world. We design and we customize fragrances. But so to go back to the years. book, yeah, we're, we've been in it and since 2010. Well. Yeah, it's still going. Still going. Is it still new rocking. smells or is it the same? We still do new smells. Um, okay. We did a fragrance for Southern Living. Um, we've continued to expand our line. And then I spend a lot of time in, in Europe where I find other brands that I think are super cool and you bring just, them to the U.S. You create jobs for yourself so you can do all the things you love to do. Basically. <laughs> That's so brilliant.
it. Basically, that's uh, travel, smell amazing smells, eat amazing. It's a tough food. gig to travel yeah. and eat, and you but know, you made it into a yeah. business. It is, um, but, uh, but without no, we cannot fail to mention how much hard work you put in. It's a lot it. of hard work. It's a lot of hard work, but you're doing what you love, so and it's you get worth breaks the along the way. And I've I've been able to really have great partnerships with some really incredible people. What's but the, the way brand, we got into the, the book, scent brand called? Uh, it's called East West Bottlers. East West Bottlers. The, the funny part about that is, um, we my publishing company, the first self published book was called Last Resort Press. It was our my last resort. Oh, but it's also a restaurant in Athens, Georgia, where we all went to school. And then East West Bottlers, we created Moonshine Cologne, and people were like, "Well, what's your brand?" We we're like. Moonshine Cologne. They're like, no, no, but what's the house? We're like, I don't know. What are you talking about? They're like, oh, well, do you ever have an idea to do another fragrance? And we're like, oh, shit. Oh, that's yes. kind of a good idea. So you guys want to come up with a company name? So East West Bistro was another restaurant in Athens. So we called it East West Bottle. Okay, so it's all about food. Food. It, food. It and all like, ties together. And go dogs. Um, Matt, I just love how you have followed your passions. Like 100% with your blinders on. Like when you go, you go. And you've made it into a job. And that takes a lot of confidence and bravery because especially now you have a wife, you've got kids, you mm -hmm. know, to like go full force for dreams. It's not for the faint of heart, it's not. but it really gives you the life of your dreams. It can. And with a lot of hard work and There's a lot too. of hard work that goes behind it. And then sometimes you don't know how things are going to come together, right? So well, we never. focused on this. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but in kind of the weirdest way... I still love the idea of the cookbook and what I wanted to do. And I had spent this year of kind of building this business. Um, and we were successful very early on because right idea, right place, right time. Um, and I remember wanting to pick back up the the idea of the cookbook. And I went back to my agent. And I was like, you know, what's the landscape look like? She was like, just give it a year. Like things are going to change. Um, and Borders was a big bookstore. Yeah. And they had closed. Oh, yeah. They had gone out of business. Uh -huh. And so what was interesting to me is um, we had slowly built this brand where we were starting to put Moonshine Cologne into maybe a hundred of the most kind of like the, the most hip retail stores in America for men specifically. And I was like, this is kind of interesting. So I started reaching out to all the buyers that were fragrance buyers or, you know, fashion buyers. And I said, hey, look, I've got this cookbook on like Southern cooking. It's coming out in a year. Like, how many copies do you think you guys would pick up and put in your store? And so, like, every place was kind of saying 15 to 20 copies. And so, then I went back to my agent. And I was like, I think I've kind of pre-sold 5,000 copies of this book. And I've created my own retail network. And she was like, let's go back out to every publisher and see if we can do that. And so, we did. And we basically Matt, your got... your hustle is creative, <laughs> though. You have a creative hustle. But I'd never, I never thought to leverage the two uh-huh but it started to make sense because we were kind of building these authentic <clears throat> kind of a southern brand if you will and mm -hmm. that at that time it was a perfect marriage between what we had done um and it opened up an, an additional world for us to 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 put the book in and then i wrote a southern gentleman's kitchen and had cool people like lou bryan and uh friends that i grew up with and, and people that i thought were really good men that like kind of embodied this <laughs> idea of of what that meant and uh, partnered with Southern Living, which was like one of the most iconic brands. So how did you partner with them? My agent was actually at a at a book convention, and um, I mean, listen, I grew up. My mom had the Southern Living. Club. So your cookbook was under the Southern, Southern Living, Living, yeah, like umbrella, the umbrella. So they had a Amazing. kind of a publishing group with Time Inc., and um, it was a great great opportunity for me. And um, I think it's one of the most iconic Southern brands. Yes. Period. Um, and so I wrote that book. And that one was the Southern Gentle a yeah. Southern Gentleman's Kitchen. I and then mean, you did another one with them. Then I did another one called the South's Best Butts, 
which uh, was great. So Catherine Cobbs was my editor there, and Sid Evans, uh, who's still uh, editor-in-chief of Southern Living. Um, they were kind of like, I know you've given up a lot of your recipes because you've talked about your family and your philosophy. What if you went on the road and, and talked about other people? And it was such a blessing for, for me to have you know great leaders in the publishing space. Yeah. One to give me the trust to go out and do it, and and then you know allow me the opportunity to follow with a, a quick book, um, but it kind of changed my perception because all of a sudden the first two books were kind of about me, and then all of a sudden I was like you know I'm going to dial it back and we're going to talk about everybody else, um, and that's where I met Andrea Barons uh, who shot photography for the last three books, and we just kind of went on the road. We hopped in my little 1976 Piper Cherokee airplane and we flew around the 12 states of the barbecue belt and we met people. And we started to tell their stories. 12 states of the barbecue belt. Yes. What's the barbecue belt? Barbecue belt is made up of 12 states. You're speaking like everyone knows these things. So you skip Florida. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Basically, imagine the South um, and you stop um, in the Carolinas and make your way over. You do include Texas and Oklahoma. Texas has great barbecue. Great barbecue. Different barbecue. Different? Uh, we were doing, yeah, because we were doing a book on, on pork butts. And like okay. Texas, pork butts are not really a thing. Mm. Um, in fact, my friend worked for the FBI. He lived in Texas and I had to like leverage his connections to find somebody that was cooking pork butts. The only reason he was doing it is because he was in uh, San Antonio near a military base. And he had so many people from all over the South that were okay. living there and they asked for it. Um, so yeah, South's Best Butts. Um, that was a book that was on low and slow, you know, Southern style barbecue. Mm-hmm. It was successful because it was kind of this 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 vignette of different peoples and ideas and stories. Um, and they commissioned me to write another book called Serial uh, Grillers, what it eventually became. But in the midst of me finishing that book, unfortunately, um, they sold their publishing business. Okay. And that was a huge, you know, we're on this road, everything's going great. And then just time, space, and business happens. Isn't that how it always goes? It always goes. It always goes that way. But <sighs> I will tell you, the folks that w- that gave me the opportunities were also incredible at making sure that I could have a soft landing and and be able to still have the work that we c- had created. Um, and we eventually brought that book to another publisher and released that. Perfect timing. COVID. <laughs> so we have all these plans to launch a book called Serial Griller where it's all going to be hot and fast and grilling, and we're going to go do this big launch on the Today so Show and throw and a party. So it was low and now it's hot and fast. Now it's hot and fast. We traveled all over the U.S. and bringing in all these different people. Um, uh, you know, it was kind of the next big book. Uh, it was the first time in my career that I was actually going to get to launch a book on major network television. Usually in the past, I'd have to launch it, work, you know, catch a break, and then it would take off. This one, they're like, you're going to go on the Today Show so at launch. So you're going to start. It was going to be amazing. You know? You're just, now you're like, it you are in. Fantastic. You're just starting at the top. Yep. And then uh, March 15th, the world, well, first we had the tornado that hit us in East Nashville. Oh, yeah. So um, this was like right around February, March? It was March. So it was going to come out in April. Oh, man. Um, so like at the start the of The start COVID. of it. Yeah. And so like weirdly enough, um, <clears throat> none of that happened, right? There I think no I, I think show? I launched Nothing? it on like Columbia, Tennessee today. We've got cookbook <laughs> author. Um, Were you bummed? Yeah, I mean, it was it was sort of. I was more bummed about not being able to get the stories. We'd already gone through this transition of. Hey, we're writing this. We lost the publisher. Um, no, nobody was in, involved in that other than just a business decision. We kind of made the impossible happen and found another home for it and brought it to life. And then all of a sudden, we have this huge thing that's weighing down on us. And bookstores are closed. You can't do book tours. We can't do national media. And the whole world shut down. I sat and had my own pity party in my backyard for to. probably a couple weeks. Yeah. 
you know, and then slowly I was I, like, rightly so, because you poured your heart into it. And heart and a, soul, and I'm a, letting people down is what I felt like. Yeah, that's a big bummer. It was a bummer. Yeah. But a few beers. Um, you got to get it out, though. You got to yeah, feel it. Was it was fine. You know, it was what it was. And then I, I kind of realized, like, I'm home. I love being home. Like, I've traveled 200 days a year, and my grill's here. My family's here. I've got to feed them. And I told my uh, my team at the time that was kind of helping me, I was like, let's like, we're doing a couple of these Zooms. Like, why don't you just pitch me everywhere? Like, everyone needs content. Yeah. And so for the next like six months, I basically sat, sat in my backyard and would set up a, a camera and Callie, my wife, would film sometimes if they wanted dynamic shots. And we shot like 200 television segments from our backyard. And the cool part is everybody else was home. They were looking for an escape, and there was this book that would allow and you to travel. They wanted to cook too. They wanted to cook, but this book was all about traveling the country. Nobody could travel, and so they were picking up this book, learning you know grilling techniques, and having the opportunity to read about Michael Solomon and Zahav in Philadelphia, or you know people all across the country. And it was kind of this journey. And so, in a weird way, again, I think as long as you stay persistent, keep your head down and, and you just try to be creative, it turned out to be my my best book in terms of a commercial success. So you had more outlets and more like eyes on this book than ever before because... People were home. Yeah, People so COVID actually worked in your favor because you got creative with it. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent. you didn't have to get creative. You could have just had your pity party and been like, well, that's that. But yeah. you said, nope. I had a pity party. Right, but you could have stopped at the pity party. <laughs> could have stopped. And just stayed there. Mm-hmm. But instead you're like, No. We're gonna do something. You yeah. got another idea. You let another idea come. We did, mm-hmm. and it was um, it was a lot of fun. And I like to say, as an author, you're only as good as your last book, right? It's like being a musician. <laughs> like if you have a a bad album, or if you go to a restaurant, you have a bad meal. Um, it's hard to get people to come back. And I had to think creatively for for quite some time of like what would be the follow up. We've done you know South's Best Butts. We've done Serial Griller. Like, am I done traveling and telling people stories? Like, do I go back to a book where I want to focus on a certain technique or, you know, my own recipes again? Mm-hmm. And again, on a long run one day. Um, so running's your place. That's my place. That's, that's my you, yoga. That's where you, yeah. Callie that's and my I, yoga. Matt's wife, Callie and I do yoga. I have yes. to go to yoga. When I am like stressed out or anything, I have to go to yoga. Yeah. And so I, you go to a run. There's a lot of that similar benefit of just mm-hmm. the mental workout that happens and both, I love yoga, um, but Michael's about to start coming. You should, okay. We should I mean, do I'm a in. double date. I'm in. I like. I like the idea. <laughs> I like it. I can't bend, um, well, but you just I like come it. More classes. Um, and so yeah, I was. I was thinking like, how do I combine the worlds of barbecue and grilling? Because I started to kind of create my own niche and trust, where people were coming to me kind of as an expert in those spaces, and that was a hard subject to do because for me, like being born and raised in the South barbecue and grilling are two disparate subjects. And I argue with this to people all the time. Right. Okay. So let's say that I'm going to go to a barbecue. Mm-hmm. What are you expecting? Um. Okay. I'm expecting like a barbecue sandwich. You're, you're on the right level here. Thank you. Um, I, I know I put you to the test. No, but. this is easy for me. Some sausage. I mean, I would be stoked if there's fried okra, but there probably won't be. Perfect. Um, and then maybe some like lean slice pieces of barbecue. Like turkey, no, pork, beef? Um, You're going down the brisket route from brisket, Texas. Okay, brisket. Perfect. Yeah, brisket. Good answer. Okay. Now, and some pickles and onions and stuff. Pickles, onions, all the trimmings, beans, you uh-huh, name it. Uh-huh. So you had the perfect answer. And potato salad. But have you ever been to like a barbecue and people are like, we're having a barbecue. And you show up and they're grilling hamburgers and hot dogs. And you're like... Hang on, I was expecting a 
brisket. Yeah, no, or that pork. hamburgers and hot dogs are like a grill out. A grill out cookout. So yeah. when I wrote the book on barbecue, it was focused on low and slow, and grilling was supposed to be hot and fast. So two disparate subjects. Um, and I decided one day, I was like, maybe I could start back at the beginning to my own family story, to my grandfather, who was a World War II veteran, who was a butcher. And, and he was in Pearl Harbor, right? Uh, he was supposed to go to Pearl Harbor. Um, but he was pulled off two weeks prior. He ended up going to Pearl Harbor later in the war. Um, and it was really cool. I was like, man, that kind of gives me the opportunity to sort of explore more of my family story, Mm -hmm. um, include him as one of the butchers from a posthumous perspective. Um, you have a very big vocabulary. Your word, uh, dispit, a postulate. I mean, I'm like, I know these words by context clues. Okay. (laughs) uh, So I thought that's pretty interesting. And especially in Europe, like the butcher shop is actually the best meal in Europe because they make like a, a, a plat du jour in France where it's, it's they're taking the trimmings or whatever they've done that day and they make a meal. Which I love that you go to France in this book. Yeah. In butcher I mean, on had the block. To. You ha- I mean, had to. Listen, life is tough. You know, you, you gotta, got you gotta to pack go to things up and we gotta tell Callie, hey, listen, <laughs> work, work calls and. Uh, you didn't bring, make it a family vacay? And the terrible? girls? Matt. No. I, I'm due on a trip. There's a lot of yes. things I'm gonna leave here due on, but. Um, yes. I was actually over there working for the fragrance business and double time the duty. I didn't well, make a just separate. Just rent trip. a villa and let them stay yeah. while you go do your work. I don't know. I we mean, gotta sell a few more books. It just costs money. Come on. <laughs> Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. (sighs) Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. But yeah, so that that kind of was the, the idea that spawned that we could, I could continue to go down this path, start at the beginning, kind of the idea of a meal is only as good as your ingredients. Mm. Um, But there was also some really cool things I was seeing. So like my agent, for example, had published a book by an author called The Vegetable Butcher. Mm. 
And I was like, that's kind of interesting. So if we're going to do a book on butchers, let's include vegetables. Let's include seafood. Let's not just limit it to meat and game and barbecue and grilling, but it'll allow me to serve dishes that are raw, roasted, fried, you know, in between, and then have a whole slew of ingredients. And I did want to open it up. So we went from Chinatown to the Bronx to the south of France to Enterprise, Alabama. And the idea is that we want to meet the butcher. We want to create community and... Um, that's kind of the essence. So it's kind of, of the, the same take, though, as your past ones, where you're telling the stories. Hundred percent. So yeah. we have an opportunity. There's power in the number of twelve. Uh, Why? We've been able to. I think it's biblical, you know. And I never set out to to have twelve features. Twelve does feel powerful. But it it always is kind of like we get five recipes from from each place, which is like sixty recipes, and then I'll give it another seventy five to to maybe eighty of my own recipes. You have that many recipes. Yeah, I cook every day. I mean, I go to the grocery store like four times a day. Do you just whip them up in your brain? No, I cook. I, I so Tommy Kelly is one of the butchers at the Kroger I know on he's Gallatin, in the book. right? Yeah. So we go to like your hip, dry aged, expensive, whole animal kind of butchers. But then I was like, well, some people just don't have that where they live. So I'm gonna go up to Kroger because I call Tommy all the time. I'm like, hey, I'm cooking out this weekend. I got ten people coming. I need you to put about twelve pork steaks in the back of the freezer where nobody can find them, so that when I show up, you're not sold out. And mm-hmm. like, that's the utility of knowing the butcher. It's a mm-hmm. place that you're going to go to several times during the week. Right. And if you create that friendship or community, they're going to tell you how to cook things, or maybe some different ideas of something I sold out, or hold you inventory if you need it. And it was important for me to feature that. It's not a locally owned business, mm-hmm. but it doesn't take away from the fact that you have some really, really great people that are, you know, serving the constituents on a daily basis. Okay. Constituents. Another one. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing that means people. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Felt right at the time. Feels good. Feels uh, like, yeah, very smart, Matt. Um, okay. So I'm kind of gathering though, you're not scared to like do a ton of work for stuff. That's what I keep, like all this takes so much energy. Like, do you have, you have a lot of energy. It takes a lot of energy. You're birthing, like a book is a child. You're birthing it is, a yeah, child. It is. There are so many parts to it. There are so it many is not. people let me, involved. Let me say that right, it's right, not. Right, 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 right. It's not birthing um, a child. But because it is. my first two books came out when we had our first uh, children. So not my first, but Southern Gentleman's Kitchen and um, South's Best Butts came literally like the week of my two daughters being born. That's amazing. And Callie was like, it's not having a child. <laughs> you know? And I was like, I hear you. <laughs> you know? I got gotcha. you. interesting though at the same time? It was time, crazy. Yeah. so interesting. Maybe all the energy was just flowing so well. Flowing through the universe. Yeah. I think it does take a lot of work where my motivation lies. And I mean this earnestly and honestly, like, yes, there's a lot of a, the spotlight comes to you because you wrote the book. But really, like, I want you to be sitting in the right seat of the plane. I want you to feel like when, when I'm, talking about a place that we're visiting, I want you to hear the sounds, to see the sights, the smells, the tastes. So like for me, it's more about representing the people and doing right by them. Mm-hmm. Like number one, it's an honor that they say, yes, I, I want you and to And they're to sharing feature, their secrets. To share their stories and secrets. I mean, do you feel like, do you feel- Huge responsibility. A huge responsibility that these people who've never shared their secret recipes, their family yeah, recipes- Yeah, they don't always share all the secrets. That's why I go and I'm- I'm kind of like a fly on. The, I'm like, what's that? What's that? I got you. But you you're know? like, okay, I'm just going to gather your recipes and write them down. And they're cool with it. I mean, yeah, that is a huge responsibility. It is. And I think. Um, but maybe it's exciting for them, too, because they have the chance to let it be shared. And sure. it, you know, it comes back to them. They have a spotlight about it. And what's cool about books is once you say, like, goes to the printer, Bye. that's it. Yeah. You know, and 
we live in a digital world where like, you know, you can create content very quickly and, and you can amend that content. And I just love the idea that like this sort of just stands the test of time. This was mm-hmm. a time and a place and a period where we went out and captured this moment and that's it. And we're not going to edit it or change it. Um, and so there is a big responsibility for me to mm-hmm. be able to kind of put a stamp on it and say, okay, this is, I'm satisfied. And, and I feel like I've done what I need to do as a writer um, to do them justice, but also give them this place to kind of honor that family story. And that's, that's a big responsibility. So now that this book is out, your fifth one now is complete. What do you feel? Like, what is the feeling now? Is it like, do you feel like, is it exciting because you have this book out and there's, you know, get to talk about it and all that? Is there a wave of, oh God, now I got to start the process over again. I'm back in like back to square zero. You know, like what is the feeling when you have released the book? There's like three phases of writing. Oh, good. There's um, conceptualizing and going out and and executing the book, right? Which typically takes about a year. And that's some grunt work. That's that's, a lot of work. That's a lot of the heavy lifting, right? Yeah, but it's a fun time. So Andrea, uh, who shot all the photography this season, was really interesting um, because she came to me right as we we said, all right, this is the the deal. Publisher accepts it. Here's what we're going to do. And she's like, and by the way, I'm pregnant. (laughs) I was like, I'm sorry. I'm like... have an ear infection. What'd you say? And She's y'all are like, flying I'm around in your little plane. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. She was like, oh, I, you know, and I'm like, all right, so we'll just figure out how we're going to do this. So what we ended up doing is going, um, because your time frame, you've got to deliver these types of things, like an album, you've got a mm-hmm. date because you're meeting the, the actual publication. And um, so we went out and shot three segments or three butchers, if you will. Okay. And um, once we had shot those, I said, take a break, like. This is the best moment you're ever going to have your first kid. Just take a break. So we wrote that. And then I dove pretty heavy into the back matter of the book of coming up with the additional recipes because I knew we had to go back out and do another nine butchers and we were going to travel like 30,000 miles in three months. So she has baby bear. Um, The the baby's name is bear. Yeah. Yeah. She's cooler than cool. Right. And so then she's like, listen, I don't know how we're going to do it. But Christian, her husband, she's like, I think he's going to have to come out on the road for us, too. And I was like, the grand family band. So the fam. uh, we take Bear, you know, at like three months old. How fun. So he's coming, too. He's coming. He's on the road. Oh, and Christian's fun. with us. So I got my, my my bros with me. I've got Andrea, who's like a sister with me. And we got the baby, you know, We're like great. the modern family traveling around <laughs> writing cookbooks. Uh, people did not know what was going on in airports. Like, what's going on here? So we traveled and um, and we That's made it That's probably really special. It's super special. And we have all this beautiful photography, including like at the start of the book where she's standing out in front of the plane you know, just maybe six months pregnant. I remember a key moment. We were in San Francisco in Chinatown at the height of COVID and we are shooting food. Like we've, we've propped up. You're on the in street. Chinatown and the Chinatown. height of COVID. That's like height of COVID. the scariest place on earth to be. Wearing masks, trying to get the work done. But you're still going shoulder to shoulder with people. Uh, people, it was, it was a little bit desolate. Okay. But she's shooting photography and she's working her, t- she's just. And she's pregnant. Yeah. I was like, hey, this is our last trip before the baby. Like, yeah. This is the last one. You've flown across the country. I've got you on a sidewalk shooting like noodles and char siu and, and ribs. Like, we're going to stop right here. <laughs> um, and then at the end, we we stopped in Pennsylvania, which was um, uh, an incredible stop. Uh, a guy named Vince DeSalvo. And I met Vince because American Airlines kept canceling my flights out of Williamsport, PA. So, like, all these bad things turn into good things. They're Matt. always good things. They're always good. Is, if you look at the positive. Yeah, they redirect you somewhere cool. Yeah. and So, you met Vince how? Well, I he... I, I walked into his restaurant one day because you were canceled. Yeah. There's a lot of stories. I think this is probably a good one that I can kind of close you on. Um, 
I had had traveled. Flights kept getting canceled during the middle of the winter. And I called Callie and kind of the rule from the road is that the weather's terrible and there's nothing good to eat, you know, because you can't tell her you're having a good time. Right. <laughs> um, so the weather was terrible. And I was walking in the snow at downtown Williamsport, which is like a, a city has so much incredible history. And I see this kind of purple sign. It looks like it says Prince, but it says DeSalvo's. I go in, sit at the bar, have a cocktail. And I, I'm talking to this guy, older gentleman. He's got kind of a ponytail, kind of a rad dude. And we start talking food, and he starts coming out from the back. He's bringing me all this charcuterie. And he's like, well, you know, my family's all here because my father passed away. Mm. And this is seven or eight years ago. And I'm like, okay, you know, so I'm, I'm there, hang out, fly out the next morning. Uh, business brought me back a couple times. We had a few meals, and then I hadn't been there in probably three or four years. And so I'm on my my last selection of who's left to choose in the book. I'm trying to round out vegetable butchers, seafood, the carniceria, you know, all these different philosophies. That's and kind I'm, of fun to pick them. It is. You know, I want to have a really diverse cast yeah. of people. Um, and I'm driving down I-24 and I'm like, Vince. Duh. Oh, man, Vince. Like, you know, he used to tell me that they would butcher a whole animal and make all this charcuterie. Like, I haven't talked to Vince in forever. And so I love this. Like, good people find it. I pick up the phone. I've got his number. Haven't talked to him in four or five years. I call Vince. He's like, Matt Moore, what's going on? I'm like, Vince, <laughs> how are you, man? And I'm, I, I give him the spiel. He's like, dude, I'd love to do it. Um, you know, let's pick a date where my son can fly in from Charleston. And so I fly up there. He gets a whole hog. Um, and it's a beautiful, like, Pennsylvania kind of spring day. Baby bears with us. And, and Vince grabs the knife. And he looks at me. He goes, man, I haven't done this since my dad passed away. And he's like, I can feel my dad here. Oh, that makes me teary. And it was teary. such an incredible moment. And then he literally, like, the dude went to work on this <laughs> hog. Like, <laughs> like, he butchered this hog in, like, three minutes. And so we take a picture with Bear. And I'm like, man, like, you're not a butcher, but you sort of are. And we just spent the day cooking with him. And that's kind of like... And that was a healing moment for him, Healing too. moment. And we don't... We don't I don't know what I'm going to get when I go. Right. I don't say like, I'd like to shoot the porchetta. And like, I'm just like, whatever you think is cool, man. Like let's, let's noodle down the path and tell your story. Um, and that's how it ended up. And so there's 12 other stories like that with recipes throughout the work. Um, and like I said, it's just an honor and a responsibility for me to be able to continue to write them. So what's next? I don't know. Don't you hate that question? I truly don't know. You know what? Actually, it's okay though. It's okay. I feel that way. I yeah. never know what's next. I literally, I just feel it in my gut. I'm like, something's coming. It's moving me in this direction. I'm just going to go with it. I think it's important. Sometimes you have to give yourself space. Yeah. Like, especially if you're trying to think about the next thing. Sometimes the past thing passes you by. And then if you don't give it space, um, for me, it's something I go on long runs. I pray over it. I go through that process. And then something will typically, all right, this is probably the right space. Number one, I have to be told I'm going to write another book, right? I mean, that's first the first process. Um, and then have to think about what that could be. But uh, ultimately, like if this was it, they said, all right, cool, you wrote five books. You had this whole series. Um, we've been able to travel, meet incredible people, and share a lot of my family history and philosophy and do a fun, ton of fun stuff. Yeah. And that could be it. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But I like I to leave like George in, Costanza on a high note, you know? But I think you're going to turn into like an Anthony Bourdain. Is that who Bourdain. Bourdain. Uh, no, I'll never be that good. You don't My do vocabulary is not nearly that good and I'm not that interesting. Um, no, but travel around or like a Ferrari. What's that guy? I don't have enough wristbands for that. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you could be that guy on TV if you ever wanted to. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've done, um, I've got a new series that's coming out uh, in the fall with LG, which is fun, where we travel and, and do a lot of those components. So, for me, like, I just like trying to be authentic, 
who I am. And, and like I said, I love these books again, because it gives me the opportunity to recognize other people, which Mm -hmm. is really what it's all about, you know, giving back. So, and you said that in the beginning of butcher on the block, it's about giving. Why is being a butcher about giving? You know, I think at the end of the day, if you go to the butcher shop, there's a lot of people that don't have a local butcher. Um, or maybe they have never entertained the guy like Tommy at Kroger to hide them pork steaks for a, a cookout. Um, they're often asked, like, can you do this for me? Can you hide this for me? Can you pull that out and custom cut it? Can you order this for me? Hey, I like that, but I want it done this way. Can you have it ready in 15 minutes? And then my favorite thing that the butcher always gets is, how do you cook this? You know, they're having to give away their their secrets and traits. I didn't feel that bad because the butcher every single day, but they're also in business and they want to have a good experience too. They want you to come back and repeat business. Um, so that idea of sacrifice and service and give, not only model what they do on a daily basis, but it was really for my grandfather and my my great uncle too that served this country, came back and, and kind of built their family on this trade. And if you think about it, every culture and cuisine, there's a butcher. And mm-hmm. in the old days, we used to move to places because there was a good butcher. And it's coming back. It's kind of an art that's being revived. And you see a lot of butcher shops that have restaurants or to-go. Um, and at the end of the day, I think it's a great place that you can foster a friendship with somebody and say, hey, look, I'm going to go up the street and go see the butcher like I yeah. do. Tommy and I are friends, you know, because I can go up there and, and he's like my hairdresser. You know, I'm telling him everything right, that's right. wrong. You know, <laughs> why were you at the grocery store for an hour? Well, I was talking to Tommy. Talking to Tommy, man. <laughs> Sally, I was working stuff out, okay? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, Matt. I love it. What a creative life. Well, what thank you. What a wild journey. And thanks for being part of the story. Hey, you gotta get. I'll get you an image. I you gotta have the image I of you know. Need credit for this story. You you were definitely you, part Matt. of the story. You did. You did. <laughs> Goodness gracious! I always what wrap up time. with one question. Yep. Which is leave your light. What do you want people to know? Just about anything. Um, hospitality. I think more than anything. You know, I, I think cooking has become sort of my love language. Um, I travel a lot. I'm I'm alone a lot. And so it's an opportunity for me to some, somewhat kind of give a piece of myself uh, and share it with other people. And I think if we did sit down more, and you don't have to cook. You know, I write cookbooks, but like if you want to cater in from somewhere, or you want to do whatever it might be, just the act of getting people together and around a family table, especially people that don't look like you, that don't think like you, good food has a power to bring people together. So there's sort of an underlying mission of being more hospitable. And I challenge myself all the time. Am I having the same people over or do we invite other different people or do we go to other places and those types of things? So ultimately that's where I want to be. And like I have two young girls and having these books gives them an opportunity to follow the recipes and follow the format and create their own memories. I love that. Matt, that's Cheers. so great. Thank you so much. Hey, Butcher on the Block, everyone grab it. Matt, you're awesome. Thank you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.